of the Lord is in this place. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Have a couple of announcements uh, this morning before we get started with our worship. Um, at the end of the church message this morning, um, you will see a link to a video um, and um, this is a video of a beautiful version of the song, We Shall Overcome, uh, that Nora Lawson has sent and wanted to share. And um, I did a little history on this song. And this, the way that you will hear this choir sing this song is very much the way that it was written originally that dated back around the Civil War time. Um, so I hope you enjoy that video. There will be a link on the online feed and uh, you can call that link up and watch that video. And thank you, Nora, very much for that beautiful gift. I, I know everyone is going to enjoy that. Um, also, a reminder, next week is Father's Day and I will be preaching at Church of the Living Waters. So our service here online may look a little bit different. Um, uh, as, I, as I tried last year, I tried very hard to run as quickly as I can from Church of the Living Waters to get here. Uh, and had we been in ordinary time, I might have had a lay speaker, perhaps Jeanette or, or Ron or Chip, uh, fill in until I could, until I could get here. So. Um, just be aware that next Sunday, Father's Day, we are going to have service, um, but it may look a little bit differently uh, to give me time to get here from uh, the Church of the Living Waters. So um, just please make a note of that. Um, let us take a moment and go to God in prayer this morning. Awesome, Father God. Thank you for your presence here in this place. And thank you, Lord, that even though we may not be here physically all together, Lord, our hearts are joined together as the family of God at Red Ridge United Methodist Church. Father God, thank you so much for the blessings that you continue to bestow upon us, your people. Lord, blessings sometimes that we know that we don't deserve. Because we know that there are so many times that we continue to let you down. That we continue to fail to be the church that you intended us to be. Father, forgive us for those times this week that we have rebelled against your love, where we have had thoughts, spoken words, or done actions, Lord, that are contrary to being a Christian. Lord, forgive us. And Lord, we thank you because we know that in your mercy and in your grace, you are always ready 
to give us new opportunities to follow in the steps of your son Jesus and to do the things that he did, to speak in the ways that he spoke. Father God, he is our model as we live here in this place on earth. Lord, this is your kingdom here on earth as well as in heaven. And oh, for the day when those two could mirror each other. Father, this morning we want to lift up a praise to you. Uh, earlier in the week, Lord, we had gotten a prayer concern from John Patton about her granddaughter having to go to the emergency room. Um, she is now the proud great-grandmother of a brand new baby boy. And Lord, mother and baby are both healthy. Um, even though he was a little bit early, he came in at six pounds, Lord. And we just give you praise and thanks for that. Thank you, Lord, that I know that the prayers that were lifted up to you on behalf of this new mother and this new baby, Lord, I know they went a long way. So thank you for hearing those prayers and continue to be with this family as they embrace this new precious little life. Lord, this morning we also want to lift up to you Tom Nielsen, who fell last night. And, Father, we just pray that you continue to be with Tom. Uh, I know that Mary had to have the ambulance come and, and help her. Um, so we just ask new mercies for her. And for Tom, Father, a, a healing touch upon him as he recovers from this fall. Uh, luckily, there were no broken bones, but um, his knee did give out on him, Lord. So we just... Pray that that's not a sign of future issues to come. So, Father, just continue to be with Tom and with Mary. And, Father, let them feel the prayers of their church family, lifting them up during this time. Father, for those that are battling cancer right now, Lord, and continue to seek the treatments that have been prescribed for each of them, Lord, continue to be with those. And let them also feel the prayers of their church family continue to go up for them. Father, we lift up our country this morning. Father, I know that you see a much bigger picture than we are able to see. But Lord, I also know that that means that you see more brokenness more hurt, and more frustration, Lord, all around. So, Father, we just seek you this morning. Continue to guide those of us who look to you for guidance, Lord. And for those that look to you for guidance, Lord, may we be an influence to all those around us. Father, we pray for your peace. We pray for our country, for its leadership. Father, thank you that we truly are a praying nation, Lord, and that we know where our strength 
and our true help comes from. And that comes from you, Lord. So continue to be with us, your church, and continue to be with this country in the days and the weeks and the months ahead of us. We ask this in the most precious name of Jesus as we pray the Lord's Prayer together this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Our scripture this morning comes from a tiny book of the prophet Jonah. We are going to be looking at Jonah, the third chapter, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 10. Jonah, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5, and then verse 10. Hear now the word. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. Then in verse 10, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, as we really look at this story of Jonah, Lord, your spirit is speaking loud. Let us take your words to heart, just as the people of Nineveh did. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, there have been situations, I'm sure, in all of our lives, where we just did not want to go. We might call those places, situations, even people, our own Nineveh's. I want you to think just a moment about a place, perhaps, where you did not want to go. When I was a little girl, I had an aunt, and 
And every single time we went to her house, she would make the three of us girls come over and kiss her on her lips. Now, I know that there's nothing wrong with that, excluding the culture that we're in right now. But there was just something about being made to go kiss someone that I got to the point that I really just didn't want to go there at all. And I would try to come up with excuses not to go and to visit. Not too long after Bill and I got married, we were attending a church in Birmingham and we were active in a Sunday school class there. And there was a ministry that our particular Sunday school class participated in uh, for a short time. And um, we would go to a mental um, group home for the mentally challenged. And we would play games with the residents there. We would sit and talk and share with the residents. And we would have refreshments. And then we would leave. I cannot tell you how uncomfortable I was every time we went. And I never truly understood why until years later when a memory from my childhood came through, actually through the reading of a diary. And it gave me a little bit of a clue as to maybe why I was so uncomfortable in that place doing ministry with those people. Sometimes there are just people that we don't like. I can't believe I just said that from the pulpit, y'all. <laughs> but there are. There are people that we just don't like. When I was in elementary school, there was this one girl, and every single day as I was waiting in the bus line to load my bus when the bus would get there, this particular girl would come by, she would grab my hair, and she would drag me all the way out to where her bus was. Every single day. And there was nowhere I could go where I would avoid her. Because I had to be in the bus. Every single day. Boy, how I hated for that school bell to end school. Because I knew what was coming. So, you see, I dare say that all of us, as we heard just a few of my people, places, and things, you've begun to think of your own and those types of experiences where you were that maybe you weren't particularly fond to be. And maybe our responses to go, to do, to interact has been one of reluctance or maybe even complete rebellion. We may have even found ourselves using those words. Please send somebody else. Please ask somebody else. 
So if you've ever had an experience like that, I think you could probably, at least on some level, understand Jonah and his story. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not like the people there. And he certainly did not want to be the prophet that brought God's word to them. Most of us probably remember that story of Noah or Jonah from our Sunday school days. I can remember we had flannel boards when I was in elementary Sunday school. And many of our Bible stories were played out on a flannel board by our teachers. So we learned about Jonah and his story. He was chosen by God to be a prophet. God's words specifically to him were, go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness. But instead of going forth and doing what God told him to do, Jonah ran in the complete other direction. He boarded a ship that was docked there in Joppa, and the ship headed off to Tarshish. While Jonah was on that ship, a violent storm blew up, and the storm was so violent that the captain and his crew all began praying to their gods for the storms to stop. In the meantime, Jonah was below the deck, unaware of what was going on. But the captain finds him when it seems that their own prayers were to no avail and the storm kept coming. He goes and he finds Jonah and he asked Jonah to please pray to his God to stop the storm. <laughs> what an odd predicament Jonah finds himself in there at that point. He has run away from God and the mission that God had called him to do, and yet here on this ship, on the place where he had run to, they're asking him to pray to God, to intercede for them. I thought that was kind of funny when I read that. In those days, it was very customary to draw lots for many different decisions. And um, so the crew got together at that point um, concerned. So they began to draw lots to see whose fault it was. Isn't that so typical? We have to find someone to blame, always. So their way of doing that was to draw lots. And guess whose lot came up? It was Jonah. It was Jonah. The lot fell to Jonah. So it was his fault. Well, again, that put him in a very odd position because he had to explain 
to the crew members and to his captain why he was even on the ship to begin with. That he had been called by God to do something and he had been disobedient. Well, as you can well imagine, the crew members were horrified and they began to stew among themselves, what are they going to do? And they even asked Jonah, what are we supposed to do about this? You've disobeyed God and you're bringing down all of this on us. So Jonah, in his concern, tells the crew, just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. What a very brave thing for Jonah to do at that point. So over the side of the boat that he goes, and immediately, immediately, the storm stops. But God, being God, can't leave Jonah just floundering around in the ocean. So he provides a fish that comes along and swallows Jonah. Now, Jonah stays in the belly of this fish for three days. The scriptures say that during this time, he, he became very repentant. I can imagine sitting in the stomach of a fish would make you repentant. But he gave him time to think also. So he calls out to God in the midst of his distress, there in the belly of that fish. And God makes the fish to throw him up on the beach. On the beach. And all of this story brings us back to our scripture text for today. God speaks to Jonah again about going to Nineveh. So this time, Jonah is obedient, and he goes to Nineveh, a three-day journey. When he gets there, he goes into the city, and he speaks God's words to them. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people believed God. And they began to fast. They began to wear sackcloth. And they began to repent of their ways. Even the king was in line at this time with the idea. He made a proclamation for everyone to observe the fast, for everyone to wear the sackcloth and the ashes, even the animals, even the animals. And when God saw the people's repentance, God changed God's mind. And he saved the town of Nineveh. So I guess you could say, up 
to this point that Jonah's mission was successful and that it was complete and everybody went about their business. But that's not the way it ended. If you read on into Jonah chapter 4, we find out the reason that Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. And I thought this was fascinating and so very true even today. Listen to verse 2, chapter 4. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. God's righteous, Jonah's righteous anger was directed towards God because he knew God so well. Jonah knew that God could and would change God's mind and decide not to destroy the city of Nineveh. Then Jonah proceeds on and at this point Jonah is in full drama mode, if you will. And he says, Oh Lord, please take my life for me, for it is far better for me to die than to live. So God asked Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry? Well, of course, this just makes Jonah all the more angry. So he leaves the city. He makes a booth or a tent for himself east of the city limits. And he sits down and he waits and watches to see what was going to happen to Nineveh. <laughs> now, I am quite sure that none of us have ever had a pity party with God before. We've not had those pouty moments, if you would, with God. But despite Jonah's anger, God causes a bush to grow up to provide Jonah shade. The next day, however, God allows a worm to attract and attack the tree. And he causes it to wither. So again, Jonah gets mad at God, saying, It is better for me to die than to live. God answers, Is it right for you to be angry about the tree? And Jonah's last haunting words are heard. Yes, angry enough to die. 
story in the scripture ends abruptly and we don't really know what happened to Jonah. Instead, we are left with Jonah's very last words. Yes, angry enough to die. Jonah is so full of righteous anger and a lot of that could very well have gone right back to his upbringing and the beliefs that he had been brought up with. One of those beliefs that he grew up being taught was the belief that if you are disobedient to a deity, the result is death. But the other belief that he held so tightly to was that foreign cities like Nineveh were sinful and they should be destroyed. But in this passage, God becomes what he describes of himself to Moses in the book of Exodus. He becomes gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And God broadens that concept of mercy and compassion to include those non-Israelites, the people of Nineveh, even the pagan ship crew. For Jonah, God's verdict is unfair. And his idea of justice does not seem to leave any room for repentance. Jonah just doesn't get it. God's mercy is beyond what people expect or deserve. And it is beyond our judgment and imagination. There is a tension here, if you will, between this scripture of God's mercy and his compassion and our own sense of justice. Sometimes we have the tendency to forget 
that the sinners on the inside are still sinners saved by grace. And isn't that exactly what Jonah was guilty of? The Ninevites were foreigners and evil sinners. Yet, despite Jonah, God's message reached them, and they repented. So I think the question begs to be asked today, where is our Nineveh? Is it Russia? There's just some things, God, that I don't want to do. There are some places that I just don't want to go. And there are some people that I just don't want to minister to. I think the story of Jonah challenges us. Today, to explore our own conception of God's compassion and His mercy up against our own. Up against our own. Is God's mercy just for those that we deem it's for? Or is it for all? to God's call when God says to me get up and go to Nineveh we find in our story today a great biblical truth God is merciful to pagan ship crews to the evil people of Nineveh and to an obstinate, angry prophet named Jonah. But most importantly, God is merciful to me, a sinner. Together. 
Oh, merciful God, there is no way in our tiny brains that we can begin to comprehend the scope of your mercy and your compassion. Lord, we truly do see through a mirror dimly. But Lord, we bend our will to you. We look to you to be able to show the mercy and the compassion in those places where we just feel we can't. Father God, we love you. We earnestly seek to do your will, Lord, and we know that it's so hard sometimes. But Father, our trust is in you. And that will not. 